0: And I have found Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Last verse, if you would. I want to scale the utmost height and catch a gleam of glory bright, but still I'll pray till heaven I found. Lord lead me on to higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand. My faith on heaven's table land, A higher plane than I have found. Lift me up on higher ground. All right. 511. 511. And 11, my hope is built on nothing less than the solid rock. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but only lean on Jesus' name. On Christ a solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness seems to hide His face, I rest on His unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ a solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found. Dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ's solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground sinking sun now turn back to 313 if you would 313 <laughs> take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe, it will joy and comfort give you. Take it then where you go, precious name. Oh, how sweet! Oh, Father, and joy of Him, precious name. Oh, how sweet hope of earth and joy of heaven. Take the name of Jesus ever as a shield from every snare. When temptations round together, Breathe that holy name in prayer, precious name, oh how sweet hope of earth and joy of heaven, precious name, oh how sweet hope of earth. Name of Jesus, how it thrills our souls with joy when His loving arms receive us and His songs our tongues can blow. Precious name, oh, how sweet, hope of earth and joy of heaven. Precious name. Oh, how sweet hope of earth and joy of heaven. Stand with us on this last verse, if you would. At the name of Jesus bowing, falling prostrate at his feet, King of kings in heaven will crown him when our journey is complete. Precious name, oh, how sweet hope of earth and joy of him. Precious name, oh, how sweet hope of earth and joy of him. Thank you. You may be seated, Brother
1: Pastor. Are we doing an offering <laughs> i mean we got i got our two dollar bill right here. We're ready to give <laughs> <laughs> you want what to. Oh yeah, we'll use it. That'd be good, Kim. We'll do it. Sounds good. Good job. There there's my keys, sweetheart. It's my keys. No yes, true, you're right. Thank you, Miss Gail. We have a video here we're going to show here of Annie Armstrong, coming up?
2: I remember when I was in high school and dog tags were popular, and I went to the mall and I created a a custom dog tag, and on the front of it I just put the phrase ball is life. I was a basketball idolater, so that was my god, lowercase G. Back in the day, if you lived in Las Vegas and knew anything about basketball, the name Hayden Ratner probably meant something to you. Hayden was one of those guys who made it big. I went to James Madison University in Virginia, and I'm living out the dream that I always had of being on TV and playing D1 ball. And it was there that God really began to draw me to himself. Hayden Radner met God when he was away at school, and God told him to go back home. I'd never been to church in Las Vegas in my life. I didn't know that 92% of the people in our city don't have a, a real relationship with Jesus. All I knew back in Las Vegas were people who didn't go to church. So when I came back home that summer, I just decided that, you know what, I'm, I know enough that I can maybe start a small group Bible study. And so I just decided to hit people up that I knew. The people Hayden knew were the people he played ball with. Those people became a Bible study, and that Bible study became Walk Church. It was during that first summer that I really sensed God placing his finger on my heart saying, I'm calling you to something different. Where basketball's still gonna be involved, but it's gonna look more like full-time ministry. It's gonna look more like a church plant in the city. It grew as friends brought friends, and eventually not everyone coming to Walk Church was into basketball, but everyone at Walk Church was into something. One of the things that's really big for us at Walk Church is what we call domain engagement, and that there's thousands and thousands of domains in our culture and our lives. And we encourage people that God wants to use your domain to live your life on mission. This was and is Haydn's domain. It is still his favorite place. These are his favorite people. And ball is still life. Only now, it's life as it was meant to be. For a while there, I thought, all right, basketball is bad. But what what I noticed Jesus do is he began to redeem the game in my life. And when he redeems things in our lives, he restores them to its original purpose. And that's actually happening right now. I've learned that God's placed me in the basketball community for a reason. One of the things that we know and that we're convinced of is that there's people that we may have never even met that have been a part of building the Walk Church family. People through their resources, people through their prayers, people who have supported things like the Annie Armstrong easter offering and so that's why we are a part of this that's why we believe in it that's why our church gives to it and that's why we're thankful for it
1: that is the, uh annie armstrong our is this is the period during easter and what's happened the north american mission board who we have someone in our church who works for the north american mission board cindy henderson her husband larry when uh when they're in town they they go back and forth from Alpharetta to uh, Lexington. He plays in our orchestra here. But they have selected 32 sin cities, and one of them there is Las Vegas. And the reason why they've selected the cities is because America's moving to cities. And they've uh, selected the most unchurched cities in the nation as well as uh, Canada to say this is a focus that we need to be uh, planning new churches. Uh, that are going to reach a new demographic, that's reaching the folks who, who live here. And some of those churches are brand new churches, like storefront churches, and some are just revitalization. They come in and say, we need to do a new work. So that's certainly one there, using basketball in the city of Las Vegas. If you all remember, uh, Zach Bauer, and by the way, um, uh, a lot of folks when we to pray tonight. We'll have a, t- a t- opportunity to pray. Zach and the teenagers, they're down Pigeon Forge. Uh, that's where they're at for winter retreat, and I believe David Dell and Voice of Praise they're in Indiana tonight, so they have a group over there. So, uh, the, oh, I'm sorry, it's next Sunday night. So that's um, they're going there next Sunday night. Uh, so uh, that that's where some cer- certainly some groups are. But Zach went back in it was in November. He went to La- Salt Lake City. Him and his wife Beth uh, they went out there with the KBC. And what the goal was for, was for a partnership to say, we're trying to do some new work here in Salt Lake City, which is obviously a Mormon place, and you know, we want Broadway to come alongside and help out, uh, you know, maybe send a mission team, have the youth group go down there. So it's certainly exciting for our church to be there. The closest Sin City to us right now is up in Cincinnati. Uh, that's a Sin City, so that's where a focus is that uh, uh, Annie Armstrong Easter offering is, is certainly going to her. So it's certainly exciting to see that when we give, it goes to supporting missions, especially out there in Las Vegas in that video. Open your Bibles, the book of Luke, Luke chapter 3. We are going through on Sunday nights the entire book of Luke. So we're doing it over probably a five, six, seven-month period, however long it takes. But we're going to be in Luke chapter 3 tonight. You're going to love tonight's message because it's gonna, we're going to learn a couple things here. We're going to learn about John the Baptist and his ministry. Uh, the background leading up to John the Baptist. Then we're going to look at Jesus' baptism. Jesus was baptized by John. And the key question is, why on earth did Jesus need to be baptized? That's a valid question, and we're going to answer it. Then the last part here in the book of, book of Luke is Jesus' genealogy. And it's really neat, his genealogy, because we're also going to have to look at, there's two genealogies of Jesus, one, it's found here in Luke chapter 3 and the other one's in Matthew chapter 1. One is from Joseph's lineage and the other's through Mary. And we're going to look at the differences. I'm going to show you the differences between the two genealogies. We're going to explain why, why did God allow that? What was the purpose behind it? So um, it's, a, it's a message that we certainly need to know. And we're also going to see, answer the question, why did Jesus begin at age 30, his ministry? That's actually how the Old Testament. Uh, we see that he started, uh, he started from that. So open your Bible here, Luke chapter 3. We're also going to be turning into Malachi chapter 3 and 4. That's the because John is the, there's a 400-year period, what we call the intertestamental time. And that's also, I think on w- one Wednesday night, uh, God was kind of silent during that period. But there was one, uh, one event occurred, one miracle happened during that period. It was around 150 or 200 or so. You, you know, We celebrate, or Jewish people, and really Christians could celebrate, it's called Hanukkah. Remember what we talked about on Wednesday night last month? Hanukkah is known as the Festival of Lights. And Jesus participated in that festival. That occurred during the intertestamental inter, uh, period. Remember Malachi? He ended his ministry. He passed away about 400 B.C., then there's a 400year period until zero till John the Baptist shows up on the scene until his birth is announced. That's how the New Testament breaks through. John the Baptist is six months older than Jesus. So that and John the Baptist is still because he's born before Jesus. He's the last of all the prophets of, the, I, guess, I guess you could say the Old Testament prophets. He's kind of the final prophet leading up and leading up into Jesus. So he closes that old testament uh, prophecy we see here we're going to certainly see that and he, so he he played a key role but the hanukkah is something it's a uh, worth studying about that i have that wednesday night handout if you ever want just send me an email or reply back uh what we went over about that Fest- festival of Lights was what happened it was about 150 bc this was the one miracle that occurred the jewish people were uh offering their sacrifices and uh, they um had in the Holy of Holies there, they burned a candle to the Lord. Well, the oil was running low, and they only had enough oil for one day left. Well, they prayed about it, and they took their one uh, thing of oil, and God allowed it to last eight days. That's why there's eight candles on, on the Hanukkah memoir, I believe is what they call that. So that's the significance of that. And that's a miracle. That's the one miracle that occurred during the intertestamental period here. So Old Testament closes. All of a sudden, a gentleman named John the Baptist comes on. We, uh, we, we talked about this a, couple of, uh, or a month or so ago, uh, looking at John's history. And before we get into John, Luke chapter 3, look at Luke 180. Luke... Uh, we went all into Luke last, last Sunday night, but this is John. Luke 1 is about John, uh, about Gabriel, and about uh, the, the naming of him. It also involves Mary, and Elizabeth visiting Mary, and Mary's song, and then a Zechariah's prophecy. But in verse 80, it says here, the child grew. Now, this is about John. This is in Luke one we We're leading up to chapter 3. The child grew and became spiritually strong and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance in Israel. So John the Baptist lived in a small town. Who here's from a small town? Look at that. Probably half the folks here. You know, never letting you know I'm not actually from I'm from the suburbs of Birmingham, but the past 12 years I've been in a small town. So there's there's goodness in small good there's some good folks in some small towns. But we never want folks to, you never want people to put you down because you're from a small town. Because out here in the wilderness, this is where God raised up John the Baptist. John the Baptist, he was the final, in many ways, Old Testament prophet. He was from the ways of old, and he's pointing people. His sole purpose is to point people to Jesus Christ, saying, My days are over, I baptized them, and now it's all Jesus. And that's what we're going to see right here. Is there's the shift that is made. Jesus described, I think a couple months ago, I preached on John the Baptist, I think in early, um, early December. John, Jesus says John the Baptist was the greatest man ever to live outside of himself. That was how great of a man John the Baptist was because what happened what was so significant about John the Baptist is he ushered in, he was, he's closing the Old Testament and he's bringing in the new. There was, that was when the work of God was here to begin. So and it's, it's, it's an exciting time. John chapter 3. We're going we're to read through this. Let's stop and explain. Now the first few verses are challenging. Uh, the way when you come to hard Bible verses and words you can't pronounce what you do. We'll give you all a tip for Sunday school. Someone wants you to read on Wednesday night. You say it really fast and with a sense of confidence. Like you know what you're talking about. It sounds like he, kn- he knew his word. In the 50- 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, while Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod the Tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip Tetrarch of the region of Ituria and Trictius, and Lysantius Tetrarch of Albileme. During the high priesthood of Antus and Cyphus, God's word came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. So where was he at? We know from Luke 180 that John lived in the wilderness. He lived out in those small towns. He lived in the country. He went to Country Baptist Church. He lived on Rural Route 103. Just That was his zip code. Just He was just out there. You know, and folks in the country, in many ways, are forgotten about. They don't come and salt your roads. Uh, that you don't get any services. When the power goes out, you wait a long time for uh, the, the electric man to come restore it. But folks, don't mess with you out there. And that's where John grew up. And the God's r- began to raise up this man of God right here. And so that's what we're seeing here now. We're going to come back to some of these names here because one of these guys here, these of uh, 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 Herod the Tetriarch, uh, he made a mistake. And, it, and John called him out for that. And it, he finds himself... In prison, John does, and actually Herod had John beheaded because John preached on sin. He was an old country preacher. He used his Bible. He couldn't pronounce any words right, but he knew what he can call sin, sin, and, and people were drawn to him. He had an appeal that folks loved John the Baptist. So that's, that's who this guy is. He didn't care. what He wasn't well-dressed. He didn't have um, nice suits on. I mean, he was just... He, he wore... Um, uh, uh, he wore camel's hair, he ate honey, he was unique. Verse 3, He went all into the vicinity of the Jordan, proclaiming the baptism of repentance and the forgiveness of sins. That was John's message. It is in a, it's, it, as it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley will be filled and every mountain and hill will be made low. The crooked will become straight, and the rough ways smooth, and everyone will see the salvation of God. That is Isaiah 43 through 5. He's proclaiming, this is is me, I'm here, it's time to get ready. The day has arrived, we're preparing the way of the Lord. Verse 7, then he said to the crowds, now this is where John starts getting into trouble. John was one of those guys, he didn't care who showed up to hear him hear him preach he's going to call you out he didn't care if he offended you he was he wasn't guest sensitive he was going to hurt your feelings and that was your fault you deal with it with the lord and that was his attitude he said to the crowds who came out to be baptized by him brood of vipers who warns you to flee from the coming wrath now we have to answer the coming wrath the coming wrath is judgment when folks die there will be an accountability held for their life. So, what was going on here, the religious leaders are coming to him, and he's calling them out, saying, you know, we're just not getting baptized here for the sake of getting baptized. We're getting baptized because you're repenting of your sins and you're turning to the Lord. Verse 8, Therefore, produce fruit consistent with repentance. And don't start saying to yourselves, so he already, this is what the people were saying 2,000 years ago. Don't say this. Don't start saying to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that God is able to raise up children for Abraham from these stones. What he means by that is God's, John is declaring that God doesn't have to work with the family of Abraham. Just because you can trace back your lineage to Abraham, does not give you a ticket to heaven. If God wanted to, he could start over again, and he could start with these little stones right here and make that a great nation. That's the message John was proclaiming. Verse 9, it says, The axe is already at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What John was saying here, He's saying, listen, my friends, if you don't repent of your sins, the axe is death. I mean, if you are are not living right with the Lord, your tree will die and fall over and you will be burned up and you will go to hell. You'll just become firewood, useless. Throne, it says here, therefore, every tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. That's a reference to hell from John. And then look what, look what they were saying. What then should we do? So they're asking the question, John, what do we do? I mean, he's bringing a hard message to him. The crowds were asking him. He replied to them, the one who has two shirts must share with, some, with the one who has none. And the one who has food must do the same. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and they asked him, teacher, what should we do? Tax collectors ripped people off back then. It says, tax collectors, he told them in verse 13, don't collect any more than you have been authorized. Have you ever been ripped off before? One time Sherry went to an appointment in Atlanta and went to this gas station. The light came on and she had to get off in East Point, that's south of Atlanta. It's a rough side of town. And uh, she went there and bought gas and, it was one of those, you know, it's the light zone, and if you don't buy gas right away, you're going to be on the side of the road. You've just got to find a gas station, wherever. So she's in an area where she would not normally buy gas, and um, I do our finances at home, so I see when the debit card is used. And, you know, gas like $30. Well, it went through, like, you know, that next day or so. Well, then I noticed, um, and then it was really odd. She, she, gave, she said, Daniel, um, check that. You know, she, she knew this place was sketchy. And she said, damn, check that online to make sure that uh, that's actually what they charged me. You know, the receipt says $30. and it was just, You just get a bad vibe. Something isn't right right here. So I looked online. It was $30-something for gas. Everything was normal. Well, then I noticed a week later, you know, you forget about things. It maybe about 10 days, 12 days later, this same place Ran the exact same amount through. It was like 30 dollars, it was 32 dollars and 15 cents. You know, well, 12, 15 days later, the exact same m- amount came through 32 dollars and 15 cents. And you know how when you have a bad feeling, this guy's going to rip me off. Well, that's what happened. They tried to, you know, we called the, called the bank and they fixed it. But that was what was Ta- you know, that, that gas station, that sketchy gas case station there in East Point, Atlanta, East Point, Georgia, they were ripping folks off. And that's, that's what tax collectors were doing back then. They could do whatever they wanted to, and, and, and they were just going to charge you whatever they thought, and you didn't like it. You know, that's your fault. You, you've got to pay your dues. So John's saying hey, you need to start becoming honest, quit ripping people off. That's stealing. That's the Eighth Commandment. It says, you're not allowed to collect any more you've been authorized. Some soldiers also questioned him, verse 14. What should we do? He said to them, don't take money from anyone by force or false accusation. And be satisfied with your wages. So, even the soldiers could take advantage of folks, but John's saying, you need to start living a life of repentance and honesty. That is what the Lord expects of you. Now verse 15, now the people, and we're we're going to read this one verse and we're going to stop and look at Malachi. Now the people were waiting expectantly. Now John's out in the the boonies preaching this message of repentance and baptism, and he's, he's a rough guy, he's an interesting character. And they're waiting expectantly, and all around them, look at this, they were questioning in their hearts whether John might be the messiah. Keep your finger here in Luke chapter 3. Now flip over in your Bible to the book of Malachi. Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament, right there before Matthew. Malachi chapter 3. This is what this is the prophecies leading up to John. And I believe John certainly knew his role. His role and his purpose was to prepare the way. He was a prophet of the Lord. He was to prepare the way for the coming Messiah. And we see this here. If you have your Bible, Malachi 3.1. See, I'm going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me. Then the Lord you seek will suddenly come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant you delight in. See, he is coming, says the Lord of armies. So who's this messenger? Well, a re- a re- The first messenger there in that verse is a reference to John, but then the coming one who's going to clear the temple, that's Jesus. We see he's there. If you flip over a page in the book of Malachi, Malachi chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, look what it says here, or I'm sorry, verse 5 and 6. Look, Malachi 4, 5, it says, Look, I'm going to send you a prophet, Elijah. Now, Elijah had died, so we knew this wasn't Elijah. He had gone up in a whirlwind with the Lord. Before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes, A great and terrible day. That is the ultimate judgment of God. That's when uh, the the end comes. And it says, The great and terrible day of the Lord comes, and He will turn the hearts of fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to the fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with the curse. Meaning people will turn back to the Lord. There's this this messenger who's going to come and turn people back to the Lord. So if you flip back in your Bibles there to... Luke chapter 3, we pick up in verse 16. John answers this question. A lot of folks are excited. They're fired up. They're wondering, could he be the one? This is who we've been waiting for. John answered them all, I baptize you with water. But one is more powerful than I. He's coming. I'm not worthy to untie the strap of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Not just the Holy Spirit. John's doing a water baptism. That's what we receive here. We receive a water baptism. But Jesus, when He says, when someone gives their life to the Lord, they're receiving a baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. Now He said, what what on earth is fire? Fire, we're not talking about um, necessarily the the fire of the Holy Spirit like we might see in Acts chapter 2, how literally tongues of fire came down at Pentecost. What well, we're talking about here, we're talking about a purity, a cleansing. Jesus is coming, and he's going to separate the wheat from the chaff. He's saying, guys, I'm here. This, this is, I'm going to draw the line. One of the things fire does is it purifies people. And Jesus Christ is bringing that message here. And that's why re- the repentance is so important. There's a purity, there's a holiness in following the Lord. When someone gets baptized, when someone gives their life to the Lord, they're not just doing this, uh, yes, you're doing it out of obedience, but you're also doing it because you're saying at this point on, I'm ready, I'm ready to serve the Lord. God, I'm yours. I'm ready to be cleansed. I'm by the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to start living for you. Verse 16, verse 17, it says here His winnowing shovel is in his hand to clear. His threshing floor and gather the wheat in the barn, but the chaff will be burned with a fire that never goes out, meaning there's going to be saved and there's lost. Then, along with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. Now, this is when John gets in trouble right here. But when John rebuked Herod the tetrarch, remember these are these names here in the first three verses we just saw, because of Heroditus. His brother's wife, what happened here? This man named Herod the Tetriarch uh, decided that um, his brother, Philip the Tetriarch, divorced his wife. His wife was named Heroditus. Well, Herod the Tetriarch, he liked his brother's wife. So I thought, well, if he ain't going to have her, I think it's best I go marry her. Well, John just says, no, we don't steal your brother's wife. That's wrong, and that is straight out of the book of Leviticus as well. As, uh, divorce is wrong, remarriage is wrong in Scripture. So John is right there calling it out. Jesus says wrong in uh, uh, Luke 16, 18. So John's preaching against this. This was not well received, and, so, and it says, His brother's wife and all the evil things he had done. So John is preaching. It's one thing to preach to people who can't arrest you and can't kill you, but then when you start criticizing the king, and criticizing Herod, all of a sudden you're saying, this guy's not living right. Well, he crossed the line right there. And the next thing you know, Herod added this to everything else. Everything else is all these other things that uh, he's done. Herod was a wicked man. And what does he do? He locked John up in prison. John's ministry was short. He didn't have a long ministry. He preached against sin. And he got called, he got called out of it. He crossed the line. So we see here... In, in John's ministry is he's someone who comes along, his entire purpose is to prepare people to meet Jesus. He's there, he's preparing the way of the Lord, he's declaring that just because your father is Abraham does not give you a ticket in heaven, God can start over again. He's also telling the Jewish people here, they have no claim on God. Being Jewish isn't a free ticket into heaven. You know, your Jewish friends today, if you know him, they still believe that. They believe that they have a Jew, just because... They're Jewish, that's their identity, therefore they're going to heaven. John here, what we're going to see is John is about to recognize Jesus' character. John's about to baptize Jesus, and he recognizes Jesus is better than me. My purpose is to prepare the way and to point people to Jesus. In many ways, we are all just like John the Baptist. John pointed people to Jesus. What do we do today? We, as disciples of Jesus with the Great Commission, we point people to Jesus. The purpose of being a Christian, we're pointing people. The purpose of our church, we're pointing and we're sharing the gospel. Everything we do here at this church should be the greatest purpose of leading people to Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be a missional church. Otherwise, it's just like the slogan, you're just, you're just having a tea party and rearranging sh- uh chairs on the Titanic that's sinking. If folks aren't getting saved and the gospel is not going out, what business are we in? And John the Baptist is recognizing this. So look what happens here. This is the baptism of Jesus. Verse 21 When all the people were baptized, I mean, John's got a big crowd. Jesus was also baptized. Now, many of you say, know I thought he was in prison. What happened here is Luke's presenting this. He's, he's saying this is John's ministry. He preached on baptism and then got locked up. But then in the course of that, also here, of uh, the folks who came, Jesus was one of them. So now that there's a shift right here in verse 21, John's ministry has ended. Now it's all about Jesus. And that's why here's Jesus' baptism. When all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized as he was praying, heaven opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in a physical appearance like a dove. And the voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. Three times in the book of Luke, we're going to see these next few months, heaven opens up and we see heaven speaking and confirming Jesus. This is one. Jesus' baptism wasn't like any other baptism. God opened up heaven and confirmed and affirmed His Son, and we see the Holy Spirit was there with a dove, we see the Father speaking, we see Jesus. We see the Trinity right there, at the um, um, at, during Jesus' baptism, Book of Luke, this also occurs at the Transfiguration. We'll be coming to that in a little bit, and also in Passion Week, when Jesus is about to die, we see it also occurring. Heaven opening, and God uh, God affirming with the Trinity of of John's ministry. the um, The question is, why is John's ministry cut short? I mean, this is a valid question. All of a sudden, John's done. He's in jail. He's been locked up he doesn't get out of jail. He gets beheaded. The next time he leaves jail, he gets beheaded. John's ministry is essentially over. He's half a chapter here in Luke chapter 3. That's all he got. The greatest prophet in the world. But his purpose was to baptize and prepare people and point people to Jesus. And he essentially closed the Old Testament. He was the last Old Testament prophet. And it was very important that he was born before Jesus was he was born three months before Jesus was certainly born or six months before Jesus was born and close that Chapter there. He was born under the, the old covenant, but what happened is John leaves the ministry scene Why so Jesus can occupy it there was there didn't need to be any competition We didn't need to have John's followers over here and Jesus's followers over here Jesus is now John's purpose was to um, point him. Also, a question we asked, why did Jesus receive uh, John's baptism? I mean, we're talking about repentance. We're talking about turning away from your sins and um, not um, uh, making sure that you are producing fruit, keeping repentance. Well, Jesus never sinned. Why, why is that necessary? And the question is, Jesus didn't, and the answer is, although he didn't need repentance baptism. Jesus didn't need repentance baptism. The reason Jesus got baptized is he wanted to identify with those who did need repentance baptism. He identifies with you and I. Listen, and if Jesus got baptized, surely you can get baptized. You know folks who get baptized. We have folks in this church here who have not been baptized. I talk to them weekly, and for whatever reason, they are afraid, they're embarrassed, it's, they feel it's for children. I mean, it's crazy the reasons. The devil will do this to folks. Jesus is identifying with people, saying, you need to get baptized because I got baptized. If Jesus can do it, and he didn't have to do it, you can do it. When, we, when One year from now, when we go to uh, the Jordan River, Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River, we will have a baptism service there. And you say, why, are we having to, why do I need to get baptized if I have already been baptized, we aren't doing it because we're getting rebaptized. We're doing it to identify a ceremonial baptism, to identify with Jesus. Saying, I'm going to be in the waters. I'm going to receive the same believer's baptism in the same location where Jesus did it. So that's, uh, that's Jesus here is doing this to identify with us. And we're do- we go to Israel and get baptized to say, I want to identify with Jesus with that moving along here we come to the genealogy now you get to this section of scripture in this last section here and you think a lot of folks just skip over this and go why Uh, i don't want to read all these names i don't know and we're not going to read all these names uh, but i'm going to bring up a couple of it we're going to read verse 23 we're going to skip down and we're going to pick up and we're going to then look in uh, matthew chapter one and compare the difference this is really Really good stuff, what you're going to see here. As he began his ministry, Jesus was about 30 years old and was thought to be the son of Joseph. Now, it starts with Joseph. Now, that is Joseph, his stepfather, the husband of Mary. Now, if you read through this entire genealogy, you get to the end here in verse 38. And it says, the son of Enos, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. Now, if you add all those years up, how many, of those, uh, how many years those folks lived, that is 4,000 years. And then you add up the 2,000 from now to Jesus. Um, this is why one Wednesday night we're going to do a young earth versus old earth study. How old is the earth? We know the possibility, the, uh, the history of mankind. How old is man? Roughly 6,000 years because of this genealogy. If you add it up strictly out of the Bible... You're going to get 6,000. Now, that's 6,000 years till Adam and Eve were here. Now, we do not know how long from Adam and Eve to when God began his creation with that. But this is interesting. 6,000 years ago, Adam and Eve, roughly about that time, if you you follow your Bible, this, this is the genealogy that shows it. You add this up. You spake the, if you took the time, got a concordance in a Bible dictionary, and said, how old were each of these people, and lo- how long they lived? This would come, uh, you add in, the 2,000 years after Jesus. You would get 6,000 years uh, doing this. Now, we do not know, from that point on, we know there's roughly 6,000 years Adam was here on earth. Now, how long was creation? Ultimately, that's a God question. We don't know that, <clears throat> but you know that's when a, a different Different conversation, obviously. But this is an important genealogy. This genealogy traces Mary's lineage. The one we're about to look at in uh, Matthew traces Joseph. And I'm going to show you why. It says right here, verse 23, And he began his ministry. Jesus was about 30 years old and was thought, that's a key word, thought to be the son of Joseph. Now, We know he was not the son of Joseph. Jesus was the son of God. So his mother, we know, biologically, was Mary, and also biologically was God. So uh, that's what the incarnation was. That's what we celebrated last month. And if you skip down, here's the differences in these genealogies. If you move down to verse 30, here's the change. There's a, a switch that's made after David. Verse 30. It says here, let me make sure I'm right, uh, it, in verse 30 on, on Nathan. I'm sorry, verse 31, right here, Na- son of Nathan, son of David. All right, that follows, right, if you start right there at David and you go all the way down to Adam. This is going to match. Keep your finger here, Luke chapter 3. Now flip over in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. And we're going we're to look at the genealogies. We're going to compare the differences. Matthew chapter 1, this is Joseph's genealogy. It goes backwards here. So one starts with Joseph, thought to be of Joseph, and goes all the way to Adam, the first man. Matthew's genealogy here starts with Abraham, and it goes all the way down to Jesus. Now, if you look at verse 6 and 7 right here, here's where the, here's where the change is made. A lot of folks who attack the Bible, this is, uh, this is where they go after the scriptures right here. They'll say the genealogies don't match up. And, and they're right, because they're, they're tracing two different people. One is tracing the lineage of Joseph, who was thought to be that That's what we're going to see right here. Verse 6, And Jesse fathered King David, David fathered Solomon. Okay, David had another son named Nathan. Now, if you follow that down, all of a sudden, on verse 6, the switch is made from David. 3.31, the switch is made from David to Nathan. Y'all follow me here. We've got David going David to Solomon, David to Nathan. And then at that point, all the names are different. So the question is, okay, is the Bible wrong? I mean, why? Uh, wh- what's the difference here? The difference is, this is Mary and Luke. Remember, both Mary and Joseph, are, they come from the lineage of David. And we see that in both these genealogies. The, uh, but they come from a different line, of, of a different son. Mary comes... From Nathan, Joseph, remember, Joseph also, remember, Jesus growing up, he was known as the son of Joseph. Because they believed, even though we all know he was the son of God, he was understood growing up, he is the son of Joseph. So they trace his lineage through Solomon, David to Solomon. So that's the difference that we see here. With... Um, um, and I'll tell you, if, back, if you keep your finger there, Matthew chapter, um, chapter 1, verse 16, and Jacob fathered Joseph, and that's, that's where it ends right there, Joseph, who's the husband of Mary, who gave birth to Jesus, who's called the Christ. So whenever you study these, this is really fascinating, when you study these genealogies in the scriptures, and you always wonder, why, uh, why is this in here? This, we can see historically, these folks are from the lineage of David, both Joseph's lineage and Mary's lineage. It's, I think it's fascinating. Here's the difference. Luke's genealogy is going through Mary, and that's tracing Jesus' physical lineage. Physically, the one in Luke chapter 3, that's where Jesus came from. That's his family tree. Matthew's genealogy, Matthew chapter 1, it goes through Joseph. That's Jesus's, listen to this, legal lineage. Because legally, Jesus was understood, you're the, he was the son of Joseph. So his legal lineage, if the folks, Jewish people, and this is why, I remember the book of, and we got into this last week, the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew was written to a Jewish audience. So who are they concerned about? They want to know about Jewish people. They want to know about the Jewish heritage. Well, who is, Jewish heritage is Joseph. That, I want to know who, who is Jesus, I want to know who his dad is, and his granddad, his great-granddad, because we've got to see, is he from the seed of Abraham? And sure enough, based on Matthew, he is. We can legally trace him. But also, Mary was too. So that's the difference. Mary, Luke here, Dr. Luke, was, he had a Gentile audience, and he's tracing Jesus' lineage all the way back to Adam. 4,000 years right there in Luke chapter 3. So we a so Physical lineage versus his legal lineage. That's the difference and that the swap is made on David's children. One goes through Nathan, the other one goes through Solomon. That's both Mary and Joseph came from the household of David. Last point here, we're going to wrap this up. If you go back in Luke, if you go back in Luke chapter 23, it says, and his ministry began. As his ministry began, Jesus was about 30 years old. That's interesting, 30 years old. And y'all don't need to turn there, but you say, why, why 30 years old? Why did Jesus, now think about this. We, know, we saw last Sunday, Jesus is 12 years old, and he's teaching everybody at the temple. So why did he start his ministry at 30 years old? And that, that goes back to Numbers 46 through 47 well you don't, need to turn, you don't necessarily need to turn that you write it down but what happened is Levite priests began their ministering if you began a priestly ministry and you were a Levite remember Levites are junior priest they're in preparation uh, for, for being a priest a Levite was they all started at age 30 so essentially I think what's this all has to do really with Raising up men in a church in your life, up until age thirty, you couldn't be a deacon. You couldn't serve as a priest. You really, you were just in training. You were just learning in the Old Testament, and then according to Numbers 4 40, 46 and forty seven, when you hit thirty, you were ready to begin serving in the temple. And I think there was a there was a time of preparation. This is why Broadway is so important to be discipling next generation. This is why we need to be investing in younger men in their 20s and teenage years saying, guys, are you growing in the Lord? When a man got 30 years old in the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, he was a man. Like, he should be able to teach. Listen, man, if you're a man here and you're at least 30 years old, you should be able to teach the Bible. You should have had somebody who've mentored you, somebody who invested in you, somebody who poured their life in John started age 30, and Jesus started age 30. Because that's what they were to do. They reached that age where it's time for them to step up and start serving the Lord. We are surrounded by men who are 40, 50, 60 years old, and they just, no, they're not ready to, they they don't have the confidence, they haven't been trained, they haven't allowed God to teach them, they haven't been raised up. Jesus was in training from the day he was born to he was 30 years old. This is a discipleship message. It's not an accident that Jesus started at age 30. The question is, are we investing in these folks who are 30 years old? If you look back there in Luke chapter 3, we're about to have our invitation. Verse Luke three thirty-eight. The son of Enos, the son of Seth, the son of Adam... The Son of God. That is Jesus' lineage through Mary. He came from God. That's who He is. Even though He was the Son of God, He still had a Father who invested in Him. He still learned a trade. He still learned the Scriptures he, he, Jesus, I guess, could have started teaching and preaching at age 12 since he was doing it at the temple. He had the skill set to do it. He impressed all the religious leaders there then, but he knew I'm gonna well the time comes. And when did the time come? After John the Baptist. A voice is crying in the wilderness. Repent. He's calling people to repentance. That was the breakthrough Jesus was waiting for. John's 30 years old, or he might be at this point be 31 years old because he's a few months older than Jesus, and Jesus is 30 years old, and they begin his ministry. We see here in this, in this uh, section here in Luke chapter 3, John the Baptist had a purpose. Every single word in the Scriptures, every single date, every single name, has an overall purpose. Why at 30 years old? Because that's what time, uh, based on Numbers 4, 46 and 47, a man started becoming a a Levite, a leader in the church. Why do we have this lineage here based on Mary to actually show Jesus is from the household of Mary, from the household of David, along with Joseph there in Matthew chapter 1? Why did John the Baptist get arrested and thrown in prison? Because John's ministry had to close because someone greater than him, who John's whole purpose was to point to, had to come. We see how God is tying together all this where the sole purpose, the sole person, is Jesus. The Old Testament closes with John the Baptist here, the last and greatest of all prophets, pointing and preparing. Malachi, we saw. He ends saying, hey, there's a messenger coming. It's John the Baptist, and he's going to be even greater than that after him, who's going to be Jesus. Our scriptures, everything we do, points people to Jesus Christ. If you don't see it, you're blind to the gospel. Jesus is saying, it's all about me. This is why everything we need to do, so how do we apply all this? Everything we need to do as believers, we need to say, God, am I honoring you? Am I pointing people to you? Am I being a witness to you? Am I learning my Bible? Am I growing in the knowledge of God? Jesus was 30 years old. Do you know someone under 30 years old Are you investing and preparing them to be a teacher and a leader in church? Do we have a bench of young men we're developing to be deacons? Do we have a crop of folks, younger ladies that we're bringing up and to be leaders in a church and men? I mean, that's that's what happened to Jesus. He learned that way. That's what happened to John the Baptist. He learned out in the wilderness. Small town or big town, wherever that, they're learning the ways of the Lord. Next week, we're going to get into Jesus' temptations. We're going to see here what happened, how Jesus responded to that, and also His beginning ministries. God, I thank You for Your Word. I pray tonight as we have our invitation, if there's some of, someone here who has failed to see You in the Scriptures, Lord, I pray You will open their, open their eyes so they will see, Lord, even in a genealogy, God, it's all about You. It's a greater purpose there in the Scriptures. Your baptism... Lord, you're the the messenger who came before, pointing the way of the Lord. Lord, we thank you for John the Baptist. God, I pray we are diligent in learning our Bible here in the book of Luke. Lord, it's the longest book in the Bible, and we need to know it. And it's written for a Gentile audience, for us. Lord, I pray that this invitation, if there's anybody here that needs to make a decision, I pray they will do so tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're gonna have an invitation. Gene King's gonna lead us. We're gonna sing "I Surrender All." Let's stand together and we'll yep close
0: ourselves. Hymn number
1: four hundred thirty-three. Four
0: hundred thirty-three. Oh, to Jesus, I surrender all to Him. I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him. It presence daily live. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender All, all to Jesus, Jesus, I surrender, make me Savior, holy Thine. Let me feel Thy Holy Spirit, truly know that Thou art
1: Thank you gene have you ever heard somebody use the lord's name in vain we are going to be studying that as the third commandment that's wednesday night we're going to be studying the third commandment the warning about doing that it's something very serious in the scriptures we will be right here in the sanctuary we'll have other classes going on certainly exciting times. so you go ahead and read your third commandment there in the ten commandments and we will uh we'll be back 6 30 on wednesday night gene <laughs> hey, hang, hang out and talk to people. Stand with me. Just five minutes. Don't run away, sweetheart. <laughs> no Cleanse by God. his blood. I'm going to start calling this dress the Hong Kong dress. This <laughs> <laughs> is the heart of it's family, God. the family of God. Don't leave without